0: Hi, my loves, welcome to episode four of the 2020 Insight Podcast. I am your host, Sen. Um, I hope that you guys are doing well and staying well. I know that the holiday season can be pretty heavy for many. So I hope that you guys are taking some time out for some quietness and for some moments of gratitude. Now, speaking of gratitude... Our special guest today is somebody that I'm really grateful for pulling up on me. First of all, you guys, he has had me in tears because he is literally one of the funniest people that I can say I've met. But on top of being funny, this gentleman here carries so many giftings. He is um, a rapper, a rapper. You know He's an artist, actually. We're going to say he's an artist. He's a songwriter. He's a producer, even though he was talking about, I don't produce like that, but he's a producer. Um, He's an actor. He is just overall a dope human being. So I'm going to have you introduce yourself, sir.
1: My name is Rashid Jamal, professionally. My name is Rashid Jamal Washington, personally, and to the <laughs> government, and- you know, to folks that be looking for me, Mr. Washington, if you're nasty.
0: <laughs> First of all, why are you talking so low?
1: <laughs> That's my regular <laughs> voice, man. The fuck you want me to no. do? You know what I mean? It's my voice.
0: That's your voice?
1: Yeah, man. I was I was going to just get on there and, you know, be a grown man about it mm. and talk about whatever we're going to talk about mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, I don't know, shed some light on the situation.
0: Absolutely. And whatever that is. <laughs> One of the reasons why I'm excited to have a conversation with you is because, and I've told you this before, you carry a, a perspective that is that is very you. You're very true to your convictions. I guess I want to say you're very um, curious, and you're not so closed off. You're very open minded, and you dig and you search, and then you always inquire about something. So with that being the case, I'm just curious about your your beginnings, you know what I mean? For those who don't know or somebody who's listening to this and they, you know, this is their first time hearing about you, hearing you speak, can you give us a gist as to who you are in in your curiosity and any history that that shapes you as a human being?
1: I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with it, you know, like I'm a uh i'm a curious person um i grew up in the south born and raised in the south in arkansas so uh, kind of within that bible belt environment where i was fortunate to live and grow up in a family that we were involved in a church but my church had pictures of black biblical characters
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know what i mean um I remember I was a kid, um, I found this Bible in the grocery store around the corner from my house. And it was like the one thing my dad just bought me without, you know, making an excuse as to why. And it was a picture of a Bible that had, um, it was a color Bible, a color picture Bible for kids that had a black Jesus on the front of it. Mm. And all the characters in the Bible were black characters. And I was really young. I don't even remember how old I was when I found that. But I kept that Bible for a long time throughout my childhood, and when I became an adult and I started to learn about who these people actually look like and stuff like this, and even Greek and Roman guys and you know just mythology and all that type of stuff like i I gravitated a lot towards science fiction and I gravitated a lot towards mythology I gravitated towards asking the being interested in the bigger questions surrounding religion and my grandmother put me up on astrology early on
2: because
1: mm. she was – I I found out later on that they were both into astrology as much as I am, like, getting into charts and mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I've, I feel like a misfit a lot of the times, but then also I feel like a standout a lot of the times. Mm. So, it's like, you know, I don't necessarily fit in, but I always seem to stand out whenever I'm putting into a group of people. You know what I mean? Um and, you know, um, I would like to think that I'm a good friend. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that I, I, I've i been someone who's tried to be a positive influence in the lives of others.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And even when I haven't been, and even when I have been, you know, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. hard to deal with, I'm extra, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'll definitely say that. I'm extra. Like, you know, so I'm not perfect. But at the same time, I think that, you know, I just have a combination of interests and, you know, my flaws are a part of who I am as well. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah. I'm I'm curious about what influences, you know, obviously other than that Bible um, that you've pulled from, from your bloodline, I guess I want to say, mm-hmm. because as I told you before, I'm, I'm somebody who truly believes that mantles are passed down through generations. And so there are things that you carry that I believe you know, have been passed down from those who've come before you. So, for instance, just with your artistry, is that something that is a part of your bloodline or your curiosity? Is that something that you have, you know, seen as part of your bloodline and and, and you know, things of that nature? Can you give us some more, um, you know, insight in that into that?
1: Um. Yeah. Um. I have I have some pretty talented family members, and I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Growing up, it wasn't like something that I knew. For instance, like, you know, a lot of times you just think about your parents. You know, I pulled yeah. these things for my mother. I pulled these things for my dad.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, My dad had a really high mathematical and scientific aptitude. Um, Really high. Like, mm-hmm. my uncle. <laughs> my uncle. <laughs> <this> is, <laughs> I have like seven uncles, mm-hmm. but... My uncle Paul, my mother's twin, um, he actually told me that, he said, yeah, man, your dad was a rocket scientist, but he yeah. had no street smarts, uh, you know.
2: Uh-huh. And, you know, <laughs>
1: when he said that, it 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 really clicked in my mind that it, it made me understand my dad more. It's just him mm-hmm. saying that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, my dad had a really high aptitude. Uh, he went to the Navy and went into the nuclear science program. Um, so he was, he was literally a nuclear physicist in the Navy. Um, he, you know, didn't finish his time in the Navy, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, due to his own choices that he made. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, growing up, you know, I used to see his books about engineering and he would just read books about engineering, all that dry Mm -hmm. stuff. He, he understood (laughs) it. You know what I'm saying? He, he had a high scientific and mathematical aptitude, um, just, uh, I don't think he handled uh, adversity well, you know, and whenever he had to deal with adversity, he didn't really handle. He couldn't, he couldn't uh, navigate it very well. And he's just one of those guys that continuously made worse and worse decisions and then couldn't find a way to hold himself accountable to the choices that he made.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: he always had to find someone to blame as to why he felt like this. And this is why I feel like this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Unfortunately, a lot of us do that,
2: you, do. you know what I mean? Um.
1: too. But, uh, and you know, for my mother, you know, I think the, she has really strong social skills, you know, she has, uh, my mom's side of the family in general, they just have a really good sense of humor, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they, they funny, you know, my mama, she talks shit just like I do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you ever get around my mama, like, you'll see, like, just little traits, like, if we stand in somewhere for a long time, we like we we'll both like lean on one leg and have an arm behind our back, and I love it. we both just kind of do like little stuff like that, where it's mm-hmm. like you know somebody be like, oh, man, you do that all the time, <laughs> or like you know she she has a smart mouth, you know, and I and
0: you got a smart mouth,
1: yeah, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. So you know I pick up just I guess better people skills from her, mm-hmm. and I actually found out later on mm-hmm. that. Uh, My Uncle Tim, who's on my mother's side, he was a musical prodigy as a kid. So, yeah, he actually, um, apparently from what my Uncle Paul tells me, he has volumes and volumes and volumes of music that he's written Wow. um, over the years. But he never did anything with. Also, uh, (laughs) he tells (laughs) he told me the story, man, um, that, Back in the day, they broke into the high school when, like, on a Saturday, uh-huh. and they broke into the band room, and he said my Uncle Tim picked up every instrument in there and played it. No, Like, played it like he knew how to play it. Like, he, he's just one of those guys that was just naturally gifted. Wow. You know what I mean? And I didn't know that until two years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, I've been, you know, making music and exploring and playing with music since I was a little kid. Right. You know, like putting micro- putting headphones in the microphone jack and making sounds on my tapes and right,
0: right. you know
1: recording you know making the stop tapes on the radio like
0: And did that just come natural for you?
1: Yeah, it was just something I liked to do. I used to see my dad you know, dubbing tapes of songs that he wanted to make. Because, you know, it was back in the day, you go to uh, get those TDK tapes from Walmart, like, you get, like, a 20-pack of them joints for, like, $5, uh-huh. and then go home. So, like, I just always had this crazy tape collection. Wow. You know what I'm saying? For when I was a kid, and, like, I would make stop tapes, and, like, I would record, you know, the countdown at, you know, the 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock countdown. I would, like, you know, record the top five songs or whatever. Hmm. And then, you know, I would, you know, have, you know, CDs, and I would dub the tape, and, I found ways to like speed it up and slow it down and, you know, just do different stuff. Once I learned how to like talk into the microphone, I would like make skits and like make fun of people and like change my voice (laughs) and, you know, create these whole scenarios in my mind. And so, I mean, just playing around with sound and stuff like that has always been something fun for me. Like playing with the EQ on Mm. the big sound system that's in the living room, you know, um, playing on the big sound system and like playing records backwards. You know what I mean? I used to do that type of stuff when I was a kid. I was just, you know, I like playing with sounds. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And um, my friends and them, you know, they have sound recorder on their on on their computer. So with sound recorder, it's going to record anything that's playing on the computer. Yes. So we would have one, I would have like a a program playing the song. And then we would just, I would just rap into sound recorder. So the beat was playing with my voice and we would just freestyle like that. Huh. And then save the song and listen to it, see how it sound. if we ain't like it. But, you know, the trick is, you know, you have to do it all in one take. So, you know, this is when I was, I don't know, man, 13, 14. And you have to do it all in one take. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I would go back and then once I got that, I'd go back and put an overdub on it. And this is when I'm little, when I'm 14. Right, you know what I'm saying? Right. Just having fun. And, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, once I saw people was making music, I was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to try this because I was memorizing everything on the radio. Right. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And um, I didn't realize that that was something special until I was rapping along with the radio. It was at a sleepover and it was a church sleepover. Mm -hmm. And the radio came on and uh, Do or Die, Pope Him.
2: Uh. Do you want to ride?
1: That junk? Uh-huh. That one came on and Twister's verse on there was like my favorite verse in the world. You know what I'm saying? And I knew it back then, and I knew the second verse. Mm-hmm. I forget, I, 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 I forget the brother's name, but the brother on the second verse, I remember his verse so well. And uh, I was in there rapping along with it. I'm nine, and I was rapping along Come with on. it perfectly. Come on, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and somebody else came in. There, hey, Rashid can rap. Come look, Rashid can rap. <laughs> and I was like, what? You has got quiet. I ain't say nothing. Huh? And you know, people didn't. You know, people didn't discover that until, you know, years later,
0: Right.
2: you
1: know, then it turned into, you know, um, yeah, you know, you rapping and then everybody in the neighborhood know you rapping, uh, you know, it's been making music ever since then.
0: I love that. I love that. So you were able to, and you were unaware um, of the fact that you carried something that was already a part of your DNA, um, way before, you know, you were even here. And one of the things that we talked about, you guys, um, prior to actually hopping on this mic to actually start recording was Rashid's just fascination with history. There's something so profound about being able to recognize um, not only those who've come before us, but also just the times that have come before us. And, 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 and we... And I don't want to say the times because as, as, as we know, life is so cyclical. And so oftentimes we see things repeating themselves just in a different, I guess, period. And so with that being the case, I'm I'm curious for you as to even how your fascination with things outside of, you know, just the music or just the art, things like history and, and how that actually comes into play with who you are as an individual, even on a day to day basis. How does that shape the conversations that you have, the experiences that you have? And what do you draw from and pull from um, those other aspects of who you are?
1: Um. Well, I would say life is kind of like water. So like we deal with a lot of ripples hmm. from a long time ago. An influence that I left out before I get into this was my mom and dad's taste in music. Mm. They played a lot of good music. Um, my mom played a lot of jazz and a lot of gospel music, more gospel music than anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she was also in the church choir, and led the church choir. My grandparents was in the choir. My cousins was in the choir. Everybody was in the choir except mm-hmm. me because I was mm-hmm. too shy to sing in front of people. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. man, I was really shy. Really mm-hmm. shy.
0: I wouldn't know that today, y'all. Yeah, man. I Mm-mm
1: i'm 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 inside out from what I was like people from home don't you know
2: mm-hmm. they don't
1: fully grasp who I am at this point, mm-hmm. but when you're a teenager, you're not gonna be who you are at thirty Absolutely hopefully
0: not. hopefully keyword
1: yeah a lot mm-hmm. of folks just get older they don't grow up mm, come on now, but um you know um the way that this culture culture influences everybody. But, you know, culture is, you know, is how we solve problems. Mm-hmm. Culture shouldn't just be what we are mm-hmm. and just how we be, you know. So, you know, I, I feel like you develop your own sense of culture just like you develop your own sense of who or what God is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, that's a fully independent, subjective kind of thing. And I think that what happens is the one thing that we can't be totally sure of. Like you can tell me whatever you want to tell me, but I'll never know what you're really thinking.
2: Mm.
1: And I think that um that anxiety, cause nothing destroys a situation like a changed mind. So it's like that sense of anxiety and that sense of um wanting to be sure that you're really on my side. You're not gonna turn on me and kill my family and take all my food and ride off to the other side of the world. Right. Like We have to find a way to agree on something. Right. Okay. Once we agree on this, we have to create a system of reward and punishment to be sure that, you know, we're still thinking the same thing. So then we create laws and then that turns into a moral code that leads up to this is how you govern yourself from the inside to make sure on the outside you're following these things and then you'll be rewarded by this, whether that's access, whether that's a token, whether that's paper, whether that's digital, whether that's, you know, better credit rating, whether that's whatever it is, whether that's access to this community and the benefits that come from being a part of this community. Mm -hmm. And I feel like on a basic level, you know, those those different things, they influence a lot of the choices that we make on a daily basis and things like that. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I think that on a baseline level, I think about those connections and how nuanced those things are, mm-hmm. depending on where you at or who mm-hmm. you with,
0: mm-hmm. you know? So one of the things, just, just adding on to that, um, you know, adding on to the, the, the notion of the different influences in your life on your journey. Can you share with us any specific experiences, because one of the things that you've mentioned um, a couple of times is that, you know, you, you definitely had a lot of influence, even just from the church itself. Do you have any specific experiences that you can share with us just as it relates to even your idea of God or, you know, what, whatever that looks like to you? Because for me in my mind, and this is just for me specifically with my journey I uh you know growing up obviously as an, as as a as a woman in Zambia, and then you know pulling from some of those items when it comes to spirituality, there's a lot that I see that is outside of the scope of Western religion because of those tangible experiences that I had. Um, growing up and then in, even just in my adulthood as I continue to grow as a woman, I find that I pull from those experiences to this day. And then, you know, those just continue to grow over time. And I've had tangible experiences, um, that have literally led me in, in, in different aspects of my journey um depending on wherever it is i believe that god had me um you know where he directed my steps and said all right so this is where we're gonna go in this season this is what i've imparted upon you for this specific time um so do you have any any experiences with god or whatever it is um you know that you pull from as it relates to your purposes as rashid
1: yeah that was a really great question Mm -hmm. um it's a shame that it's not more interviews and things going into this type of stuff, because mm-hmm. the the thing about it is that I was talking to my brother, De Quincey, the other day. He's an author. Mm-hmm. And we kind of got on this this topic of fate mm. and this topic of, you know, um, man, I forget exactly. I think it was a book about the Egyptian mysteries by It was a French archaeologist, I believe, or philosopher.
2: Hmm.
1: I can't remember his name exactly, but it was talking, he was uh, in that book, he was breaking down that the ancient Egyptians believed in fate and they believed in that you could understand your fate by understanding yourself
2: Hmm. and
1: understanding where you've come from and understanding who you descended from, recognizing these patterns and you can manipulate that.
2: Absolutely.
1: You know what I mean? Um, For myself, it's strange, man. I can remember being two years old. Huh. You know, I, th- I I I remember a lot of stuff from my childhood. I don't know why. I just do.
2: Hmm.
1: I always have. Like, if I was five years old talking about, hey, you remember when I was three and I used to da, 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 da? I, I, I was one of them kids. Like, I just remembered all kinds of random stuff. Even even now, I, I'll call my mom. Hey, mama, you remember this? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. How, <laughs> how do you know about that? Right,
2: right.
1: It's like, yeah, I, I think about that all the time. Huh. <laughs> you know, so... I remember when I was a little kid, I used to talk to stars before I knew how to formulate words. In my head, I knew what I was talking about, but I used to talk to stars.
2: Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they used to ride me around in the back seat of the car whenever I, I guess I was whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Just being a kid in the backseat of the car, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I remember talking to stars. Um, I've had some really strong dreams.
2: Mm-hmm. I haven't
1: had them as much over the past couple of years.
2: Okay.
1: Um But throughout my lifetime, I've had visions and I've also felt, you know, I've just felt to me something different with life. And then other times I felt absolutely nothing but living in a world of Mm. no consequence. You know, what is it? What's the what's the (laughs) what's the last line of Macbeth?
2: Hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? It's a play put on by a fool. all the world's all the stage. Uh, put on by a fool, full of sound and fury, and then signifying nothing. You know what I mean? Like, life can feel that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, where well, it's just absolutely, like, just nihilism, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess, like, if it comes down to it, like, yeah, I was raised in a church or whatnot, but for me, I got exposed to existentialism really early. Okay. I got exposed to, like I said, you know, mythology. So when I was a kid, you know, we had sci-fi channel like their actual sci-fi channel for real that like had Xena Warrior Princess <laughs> uh-huh.
2: and you
1: know Hercules and all this stuff
2: mm-hmm. so
1: like you know when I was a kid I was really into that I was really into like old shows like I was really into like stuff that old people was into because I was surrounded by old people when I was a kid mm-hmm. We had this encyclopedia collection that when I was learning my pr- uh, my, my my planets in the 4th grade I would come home and I read about the planets in the encyclopedia. And then I found that Jupiter was the same as Zeus. And I found that Neptune was the same as Poseidon. And Mm -hmm. Pluto was Pluto was Hades Mm -hmm. and Aries was Mars and Aries was the same as the Zodiac sign. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I started connecting all these different dots from like my, you know, the newspaper and encyclopedia and going to school and. Then you turn on Sci-Fi Channel and mm-hmm. these are the characters, and you know I started seeing like, okay, wow, okay, this is all the same. Mm-hmm. So I get to the sixth grade, and this is gonna be all over the place because it's I mean it's okay. a very complex question that's you okay. ask, but um, to try to draw some, connect some dots and draw some lines, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in sixth grade, I was so I was I was put into a gifted class. Pretty early on, Mm -hmm. Um, I took. I probably shouldn't say this because people hate to hear shit like this. Come on, you
0: better speak it.
1: But um, when I was six, my mom gave me. I I I had to take this test from the school I went to. I went to a private school for Mm -hmm. like my first my preschool to second grade, and when I was six, I took this test and I scored in like the ninety four percentile for words, word association, Come on. word meanings Come on. in the country. <laughs>
0: Come on.
1: And I didn't know that until a couple of years ago. But I, I scored in like 84 percentile. Like I, I scored really high for like math and reading and and word association and being able to literally read between the lines. So it's just always been my thing since I was yeah. a little kid.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that I just kind of recognized this thread early on in life. Mm-hmm. So, I got put into these gifted classes or whatever, and um, in the sixth grade, we had to have reading hours that we turned in every week. Like, you had to read a certain amount of hours, and by the end of the semester or by the end of the second first and second semester, you would have over, you know, X amount of minutes that you read. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I wasn't necessarily the bookworm type when I was a kid. You know, like, I was interested in a lot of stuff that was probably different than other kids, but... I wasn't necessarily the bookworm type, so I just, you know, in the fifth grade, I would go to the library, mm. and I would find books about mythology so I could learn more about I don't know why. I just really dug mythology. Mm. Uh, in the sixth grade, I just went and grabbed this book. It was blue. I was like, all right, cool. I want this one. I grabbed this blue, this blue book, and it had a picture of a Buddha on the front of it, and it was Siddhartha. And I didn't know what it was about. I just grabbed the book, and I read it. And when I got to the end of the book, I was like, "Oh, this was about Buddha. <laughs> oh, wow! I right. just read about the Buddha. Hmm. You know what I mean?" And accidentally, over time, I came to realize that it—if you look back on it now—it's like, bro, what are the odds that this interest has run its course this way? Right. And then you come to realize what the Buddha actually looked like, right. And then you come to realize what you know uh, how Zeus was actually depicted right. on. On Greek vases, he's wow. not white, and it's white people on the vases, right. on these vases. You know mm-hmm. I mean, how y'all pronounce it?
0: Um, <laughs> vase, vase, same thing. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know. um But you know, um on the other side of that, to you know, really get to the nitty grit of that, this is all intellectual pursuit. Hmm. On the other side, staying at my mama's house, um I don't know why. I've always, and even as recent as when I was twenty three, I guess. I'd be in my mother's house and like, I, well, I've had them since then too, but like, I'd have dreams about being outside my window at nighttime. Hmm. You know what I mean? So like, I'd be outside, like having a conversation with somebody, full blown conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and I have several different dreams in front of my mama's house. You know what I'm saying? She lives out in the rural area in the middle of nowhere. Um My dog barking and stuff when I play certain types of music because there's something coming along and you cut the music off, he calms down. You cut the music back on, he starts barking, cut Uh the music off. Yeah. But Uh there was a couple of dreams in particular I had around the time I was five. There was one where I was being attacked by all these different flying monsters and demons and stuff like that that was coming to... Try to kill me, I guess. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I used to have reoccurring nightmares. I had a lot of nightmares when I was a a kid. I did as
0: well, actually.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and some of them was like really weird, like Inception type dreams where you wake up inside of a dream Mm -hmm. and then you wake up again inside the dream. And I woke up and tried to turn everything on and nothing was on. Nothing was cut on. So then I lay back down, go to sleep, wake up, you know, having sleep paralysis when I was a kid, seeing Uh stuff walking around the room, hearing shit in the room. Like, it's interesting as an adult to hear people talk about it when yeah. it's like, I'm seeing that since I was a little kid. Like, how you just now? Exactly. But all right, that's cool. People are waking up to it. All right, that's mm-hmm. what's up. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because there was this one thing in particular that flew towards me and I tried to, it it tried to grab me and I grabbed his head and I kneaded it in the face and I'm a little kid, you know, cause and I was really into karate when I was younger <laughs> and you know. kind of ran away and then woke up from that dream. But fast forward, and what I saw flying around was the goddess that they call Astorith or Lilith. This is back when I was five years old.
0: Interesting. Um, And what does she represent?
1: um, Well, Astoroth, you know, is a goddess of the night. Uh, You know, um, uh Lilith uh, has to do with the moon. Also has to do with uh, supposedly the pre-runner to Eve, where she didn't want to be, I guess she didn't want to serve Adam. But you know, I don't, I don't really feel like that's the whole story to it. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna act like a, you know, I don't think that's the whole story to it. I think there's a lot more to what that just represented in general.
2: Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and also what they were trying to represent in general with their stuff, I think they were more so trying to symbolize technology. And I've seen um, some. I've seen some information and some like really good research. They kind of backs that up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, you know, I had another dream of that. You know, I was in some back alley somewhere and cat pulled out a gun, shot me in the chest. I tried to run away, shot me in the back. I woke up. My chest was hurting. And I have these two birthmarks on those two places. Huh. You know what I'm saying? I had that dream back when I was like six or seven. Yeah, I've had dreams about the world being crystalline, mm. you know, just all crystals hmm. rather than land.
0: Do you ever get prophetic dreams? Dreams yeah. where you're able to see um mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean just I mean, even the feeling. hmm. You know, a lot of times it's like, nah, you don't need to do that, because if you do this, this is gonna do yeah. this and then that yeah. person's gonna do this. It's kinda like sometimes you can see the chain of events that are taking place in front of you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially when I'm dealing with people. hmm And oftentimes people don't believe me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it happens. And it's not necessarily a a bad thing. It's just kind of one of those things where hey man, I try to tell you, bro. Mm-hmm but i'm definitely not right all the time and i'm definitely, you know, not omnipotent or all knowing or anything like that. i just think that, you know, i get a lot of hints. Yeah. You know what i'm saying? And it might be because i don't have brothers and sisters mm. that look out for me like that. So it's like, you know, i really feel like i have messengers
2: mm-hmm. that
1: that walk with me and that inform me of something that can be coming along or you get a certain feeling in your in your gut, yeah. and you know you don't trust it, and, yeah. and then you figure out why not to. And I'm, I'm I'm in that season of my life right now where I trust that, and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is put here in front of me. This is for my own benefit, so mm-hmm. that I can see this. Um, where I've seen that happen a lot is, you know, recently with, you know, um, I'm not gonna say what I do, but I do the type of work where I travel a lot, okay. <clears throat> and I travel a lot throughout the Portland metro area and throughout Oregon, mm-hmm. right? Before this virus started and the pandemic started, mm-hmm. there were, you know, um, it was peaceful. Now, once the once the election cycle started, uh, I think looking back on it, we're going to recognize that all of these protests and things like that, even though they were based in things that mattered, Mm-hmm. They were based in things that were necessary and there was a lot of stuff that needed to be said. Mm-hmm. I think that if we look back on this time period 20 years from now, if we're able to, if we live in a world where that's even a thing that people do, right? you know, I think we'll see that a lot of this stuff was created the same way the Arab Spring or these other, you know, uh, kind of tumultuous Things have taken place in other countries Mm -hmm. where, you know, you kind of have this opposition side that's feeding groups Mm -hmm. to disrupt the government that's taking place right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, the Trump presidency was no different than any other time a white man has been a president. Yeah. I don't have anything against anybody that voted. I don't have anything against anybody that got emotionally swept up into all of that because they used everything they had from media to real life people being killed on camera, which yeah. we've been seeing for years and right. years and years, not just when we got phones, but not just even Till, but like they, they used to sell postcards
2: mm.
1: with people being hung and people in, and white folks in the background smiling about it. Yeah. Little kids smiling about it, chopping off pieces of people's bodies and taking them home. And that was just regular culture for y'all. To me, that's no different than, you know, that takes me back into the other research where it's like, okay, so what about these other cultures where, you know, you showed, you displayed the Mayans as being people who were chopping people up and ripping people's hearts out and sacrificing human beings for the sake of their God. Hmm. So what God do y'all worship? Hmm. What God do y'all really worship?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, so like, you know. Um,
0: I love it. <laughs>
1: whenever whenever I, uh, you know, I got out here and like, you know, as a black man in the midst of a time where there's all these protests about our people, so-called black men, so-called black people. When I get out here and I'm doing my work mm-hmm. and I'm in these areas, I'm in Sandy, I'm in Boring, I'm mm-hmm. in. You know, Estacada, I'm in Hillsborough, I'm in Forest Grove, I'm in Vancouver, I'm in Camas, I'm in Washugal. I'm in Malala, I'm in, you know, just these different, different areas.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm outside the whole time in the midst of a pandemic, the whole time. Mm-hmm. I never have not been outside this whole time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When everybody else was locked down, I was still moving around and going to all these different places.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, what you come to recognize is, yo, people are people, no matter where you go so like you know um yeah i might pull up feeling like you know kind of you know man i don't need to be over here right now
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you see this person they're happy to see you yeah. because of what you come to bring them yeah but then also at the same time like you know you end up having prayer with these people like you know when they house like when all when the huge fires took place mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying, like. I've just had, you know, due to the nature of my work, I I feel like I end up creating bonds with people very quickly. That's good. And it's humbling work. And it's also, you know, very, uh, it can be frustrating at times. But at the same time, like, you have to have a different type of position on life and death to do what I do. Right. And, you know, I think that there's a lot more to this struggle than just racism. Hmm. There's a lot more to... Where we're at right now, we're not getting into the metaphysical in a way that goes beyond trying to get likes and followers. Mm-hmm. We're not getting into our history and who we are and what we're capable of outside of trying to get likes and followers. We're not giving each other any metaphysics. We're not getting that deep. We're not meditating no. as a people for for the stuff we should be meditating for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're connecting as men and women at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And just allowing ourselves to be men and women. We're not doing that. I think that we're just trying to normalize this, normalize mm.
2: that, right. normalize
1: this, right. this form of toxic femininity, mm. mixing with this toxic masculinity or lack thereof, because mm-hmm. cats don't want to get their heads bit off. Nope. Or you got cats that's pretty much forcing themselves in situations that they don't belong into, mm. you know? And I think that there's, there's a lot of room for growth for us as a people, altogether you know what i mean like outside of just the cool let me fix my credit right. the cool right. start a business right the cool this is how you flip houses with no money
2: come on outside <laughs> of
1: you know just trying to you know put on this facade of you know having this perfect financial acumen and then we're gonna get out here and we're gonna make this money and we're gonna accumulate a lot of stuff and i'm gonna go get this you know Whatever I'm gonna go buy. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, it's zero of any of that, which is all good stuff mm-hmm. that we all need and that we need in order to build what we're trying to do next. But also at the same time, you got the other side where they don't care about none of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're just trying to get some money so they can get this bag. Right. Or get some money so they can get this, uh, like, literal bag, like a Birkin bag. Like right. everybody talking about Birkin bags now, but, you know, or wearing some Gucci or wearing mm-hmm. some designer something. Mm. Around a whole bunch of people who don't got nothing. And, you know, we just kind of end up looking crazy. Right. So, you know, um, we can go on about the type of stuff forever.
2: Mm. You
1: know what I'm saying? Like, because the question that you asked is such a, it was a very complex question, Mm. you know, because there's so many things that informs who I am because of who I am.
0: Right. That's good.
1: You know what I'm saying? That's good. Like, I come from this community Mm. and I know what goes on in this community. Mm Mm-hmm from our level Hmm. and what's wild to me is that even as a rap artist I've said this before but like if you go on YouTube and you listen to videos about rap most of the videos are narrated by white boys Hmm. that are telling us who we are or trying to tell me who Tupac was and it's like you're incorrect you don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. but it's like then it's up to me to go out as a grown man and make videos about Tupac and it's already a thousand videos about Tupac why is it up for me to you know what I mean So, like, I mean, I I don't think that we're in charge of our culture. I think that we know deep down that we're the most mimicked and copied p- people on the planet. Yes, sir. But we don't own it.
2: Hmm.
1: And, you know, um, I think that a lot of stuff that I'm interested in from history to fashion to culture to the way cultures interact and human nature and things like that. It it all plays a part into the way that I try to approach life from a survival standpoint of just, you know, I feel like we're at a point right now to where we're kind of surviving our interactions with people. Hmm. Because you never know when some cat at Walmart is about to flip out and get on some weird stuff and folks are pulling out their cameras and the
2: something. police
1: are show up and shoot the wrong person. And it's just a bunch of bozo crap going right. on right now right. that... I don't know. We live in a really weird world these days. So
0: so what do we do about it? Like, what is, what is our role in all of this?
1: You know, I think that it's a collective decision because, like, I'm in my mid-30s at this point. Like, I feel like, no disrespect to anybody's parents, but boomers need to retire at this point. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that... The boomer generation, not all of them, but at this point, their generation needs to take a back seat and retire and be able to retire if they can.
2: Hmm.
1: And at least out of positions of leadership and then trust that we're gonna take care of them. Because, you know, um, the boomer generation kind of has this, you know, you don't tell me nothing, I teach you. Right. But they're living in a world that's so far removed from what they grew up with. And then at the same time, trying to keep up with the appetites, they're trying to keep up with appetites and creating desires, trying to create problems to create solution. You know, that's that's Rockefeller shit. You know what I'm saying? That's that's Carnegie shit. But would would is
0: is the world that we currently live in? Would would it allow them to do that? Would it allow them to retire? Does does it allow them?
1: I think they've created a situation where they can't. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the surplus of this country, like, you know, this country was founded in penal colonies. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, of penal colonies of indentured servants. Yeah. And also military going out, exploring the country and capturing cities in America. I'm talking about the United States. Yeah. Capturing cities in America that was documented the cities are bigger than uh, London. Mm-hmm. It's documented that Mississippian culture uh deeply, deeply reflected a lot of Egyptian culture. Yeah. It's is you know, it's, these things aren't secrets, you know. Um uh Tenochtitlan, where the Sun Pyramids are, teotihuacan
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um these 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 places deeply reflected Central America, South America, Peru.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um they all reflected this Egyptian culture that was also found over in Northern Africa. Um, And, you know, I I just think that, you know, we get caught up in the lies about racism and then they get reinforced. And then we argue about the lies. Right. And Mm. not in who we are Mm -hmm. and what we're actually capable of and what we can do as a species, Mm. because while you're busy arguing about that on the street corner or you're, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or Reddit or whatever you're doing, you're not living up to your highest purpose. And then, you know, you're probably dealing with a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. because you feel like people don't understand you. So like, what can we do? The most basic thing we can do is love others as we love ourselves. Come on. That's good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you love yourself, you know what I'm saying? That's
0: but, the
2: key.
1: But it, it don't love me if you don't like yourself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Don't even come around me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, um, I don't know. I think it, I think it takes a lot of, it's going to be a group effort and it has to be a generational thing. Hmm. But hey, looking around at what's going on right now, like I think we, we we're we adults with the hmm. same little kids we didn't like when we was kids. Right. So a lot of these folks like a lot of the stuff that's going on that's weird right now hmm. is people our age. Right. It's people our age deciding that they don't want to name their kids. They want to let their kids name themselves and not. But you're you're supposed to raise a child. Not let a child raise you. You know what I'm saying is, you know, and you know we can get into a lot of stuff that may seem controversial to other people, but you know what makes sense makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And
1: you know, you got a lot of kids killing themselves right now because their parents not raising them. You know, you got a lot of kids that feel bullied and they don't have confidence because their parents are forced to work so much, right. or because their parents just ain't ready to be parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't have any kids. I wish we mm-hmm. tried, but. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for the time being, you know, I'm all you can do is focus on your bloodline and you have to focus on your genetic code and trying to get yourself into the best shape that you can be in. So that I feel like building into that Akashic records Mm -hmm. that you can pass down Mm -hmm. because, you know, everything that we pull from, we didn't just we didn't get here by ourselves. We're not an island. No you know what i'm saying like as individuals you're not an island even if you don't have no family you came from a whole bunch of people
2: right
1: you're right. just not with them or you are with them right. and you you know you just have to you know wherever you are in life figure out what are your coordinates right now mm-hmm. and what's next mm-hmm. you know that's what you can do in life Absolutely. you know and um, i think that purpose isn't something that you find i think purpose is something that it if you're seeking to have a purpose, you can have a purpose, but purpose is what gives our lives meaning. Come on. You know what I mean? And Come on. People, A lot of people right now, they want to live a meaningless life because it's more about this game of how many likes and how many follows can I get? Okay. How many listens can I get? Right. How many da-da-da-da-da? That plays its part. But when it just becomes about that, then you're just running on another you know hamster wheel, mm-hmm. in my opinion mm-hmm. and a lot of people's minds run on hamster wheels right now mm-hmm. and you know it's not cool to talk about anything that can't be measured mm-hmm. where did that come from
2: mm-hmm.
1: what god do you worship
2: right
1: you know what i'm saying um and you know i'm not i'm not no preacher bro i'm not no you know, you, i'm a ratchet listen, but you're you but but <laughs> you know what i'm saying but <laughs> he said i'm the, a ratchet <laughs> yeah man you know but but what but, but, you know what makes sense makes sense you Absolutely. know what i'm saying and You know, I think that we need a time for it to be cool, for it to make sense. We need a solid 10 years worth of making sense so that we can kind of balance out. Because right now, you know, we're rolling off the the record scale because people are so influenced by their emotions. Very much so. You know.
0: Very much so. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with you when you say that. It's it's going to take a collective effort. Um, You know, just speaking of being, you know, Dreamer, because I'm very much a dreamer myself. Mm -hmm. And I I I had this dream where, and for for church folks, y'all, we talk about revival all the time. You know, revival is gonna happen, you know, uh, the spirit of the Lord is gonna, you know, come on the earth and, and transform the way that we know life, such and such and such. Um, but in this dream specifically, I was in this field, and while we were in this field, we had four corners of the earth. And The revival angel did not come until every single corner of the earth was locked in and connected because as a collective, it takes a collective effort. If we want to see any type of revival, change, transformation, whatever you want to call it, happen, it takes a collective effort. And also not only that, the the notion of love is also very important. Mm -hmm. If it's one thing that I remember in that dream, it it was a simple fact that, I knew that we all had a a mutual love and understanding for one another. And so, you know, when we, when we think about how we are going to transform what we currently know as life, I think we have to get back to the simple and it's, it's simple, but it's not. Um, but it's just the basics. Love one another as you love yourself. The question is, do you love yourself? And if you don't get to the root of what why that is you know what I mean and then the next layer to that is how do we partner together to make sure that as a collective we bring about this type of transformation
1: I think a lot of people are waiting for it to come from outside mm. and what uh, I have like these uh, album titles I come up with mm. and there was a um uh, there was an album title in my that I had called uh, Freedom is an Inside Job. Mm. And, you know, it went along with, it was supposed to be another part of a album I had called Love is the Highest Religion.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so, like, I had Love is the Highest Religion, and then the second part was going to be Freedom is an Inside Job. And it really sound like book titles, honestly. I might need <laughs> to. But, you know, I think that, you know, um, we can strive to try to operate in this higher frequency and, you know, levitate, and walk on hot coals without... without Mm -hmm. flinching and, you know, kind of be this, you know, Gandhi-like figure. But that's not a realistic thing for a human being. You're going to have mood swings.
2: Absolutely. You're
1: going to wake up some days feeling like shit absolutely you you're you're gonna get diarrhea one day, like you know what I mean like
0: <laughs> it's gonna happen you're gonna
1: eat some bullshit and vomit, you know what I'm saying you're gonna fall in love, you're right. gonna get your heart broken
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you're gonna have people that disappoint you mm-hmm. um you're gonna have times where you just wanna give up and blow your brains out, mm-hmm. and that's all part of being human, then hmm. it's all part of like the thing about it is that everybody don't feel that at the same time mm-hmm. and everybody don't feel it in the same time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like, you know, you may have felt a lot of stuff and we may have, may have been kind of privy to different things that were going on naturally. Even though we had an inkling, you may not have known it was there, but knowing what it would, knowing what it is, you may not know what it is, but you know that it was there. Right. And it's hard to trust that when everything else in the world is telling you not to. Mm. So, you know, it's a balance act because, you know, you get frustrated with people because they don't see it. But then there was a time when you didn't see it. Come on. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we kind of have to take it a step by step, day by day. The biggest issue I think that we have, though, if it's natural for some of us, it's natural for everybody.
2: Come on. That's but, a word.
1: But the thing about it is that, you know, we uh, we get distracted. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like our social media is a distraction. But before that, television was before that radio was before that, you know, you couldn't you were not really allowed to read like that. Most people couldn't read like that. Um, it was something that was, you know, kind of certain classes of people were allowed to read, right. you know, and allowed to expand and grow on that. And, you know, people just kind of live more simpler lives, which isn't necessarily a bad thing,
2: right?
1: but it's not necessarily a good thing either. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that humanity has been around for millions, millions of years. Mm -hmm. And we only know a very small little bitty piece of speculation of what is going on in our most recent past as human beings.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Just from certain things that you can't run from, like cataclysms on the planet. You know, when the Earth decides to shift and it decides to give itself a a facelift when... (laughs) California turns into an island again, right you know, because there's the biggest fear is that you know the San Andreas Fault opens up, but when that happens, California turns into an island again, like it was, you know, not that long ago, you know what I'm saying, five thousand years ago, the sahara desert, sahara zahara uh it was a forest, yeah, five thousand years ago it was a it was full of everything, but there was a polar shift that took place. That happens every 5,000 years. So some. it ambulates between desert and forest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this earth is a living thing, you know, um, so. just like we are. And people have been holding on to this thing the whole time that these changes are taking place. And, you know, ascribing new meaning to it and having civilizations get to a high point, reaching the zenith.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then, you know, there's one or two things that are going to happen. The civilization to keep going, but then you have a generation of people that got old and died, or they got young and died, or they right. was born and they died, right. or they got killed at the same time, or they died one by one. Mm. But one thing's for certain, two things for sure, we ain't going to be here forever.
0: Nope.
1: You know what I'm saying? It's just not set up that way. Mm-mm. So, you know, with our time, I, I would rather enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? But. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You who, I mean, I don't know how much more simple it can get than that, man. I'd rather enjoy it while I'm here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I don't know if uh, most people are going to let us do that. No. But I find my joy within. And mm-hmm. I'm really starting to find out what it means to try to lean on the creator. That's um good. Because, you know, like I read something somewhere, you know, you go through a season where you feel lonely. Mm-hmm. And you're fighting off this loneliness. Um, but, and, you know, all the music is, I'm
2: so lonely, lonely, well, well, lonely. You know, and like,
1: I think that like that, but that's the time when you'll get the most messages. That's the time when, you know, a lot of stuff to use, like in its most pure,
2: Absolutely. you know
1: what I'm saying? Fresh off the coca leaf yeah. powder paste. <laughs> really <laughs> uncut raw spirituality uh come on that you can break down and snort you know what <laughs> i mean have a heart attack off of like you know like i mean but like those are the times where like you're getting like the most raw ideas and there's nobody there to refute it and make you feel stupid
2: right
1: so you know you've gotten about a year or two to like just really stack up on some the ways that you want to approach things yeah and then what makes it better is that you come across other people who've been having the same thing. Exactly. And you realize, oh, wow, I'm not by myself out mm-hmm. here. And not only that, oh yeah, man, people do love you.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, um, for myself, I, I find myself sometimes many black man out there who needs to hear this, who's going to hear this. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I struggle with, you know, self love from the standpoint of feeling worthy. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, I think that that's something that we all kind of struggle with, you know, trying to feel worthy or feeling like, you know, we deserve or have we earned this right. thing right here. Right. There's this cat named Dan. He he blew a bunch of his fingers off somehow. So on his right hand, he only has like three fingers. Dang. <clears throat> but, you know, he's, he's a pharmacist. He's a really cool, cool dude, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he broke something down to me one day and I just love the way he said it, man.
2: Hmm.
1: He was talking about... Uh, some of his paid time off. And I was like, oh man, that's what's up, man. So you deserve that. He said, I deserve it. Fuck that. I earned it. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. earn, you earn, you know what I'm saying, your paid time off. You earn yeah. your vacation. Uh-huh. You earn your house. You earn your car. You earn your money. You earn the things that you work for. You know what I'm saying? You deserve to get a speeding ticket because you were speeding.
2: Yeah.
1: You deserve to get popped in the mouth because you're talking too much.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know,
1: I dig that you know what I mean so you know um, that I don't know man that was one of them things where it's like you know passing conversation he probably don't even remember that
2: mm-hmm.
1: or the way that he said it mm-hmm. you feel me? but you know when he said it, I was like yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah bro you like you earned this
2: absolutely
1: and um, you know when you look back on time and you look back in space and you look back in different things that took place it's like yo all these things kind of added up Yeah, these different experiences like when you was in the hood on the block and you was in these back rooms, and these back alleys. Uh, you're, you know, in this guy's studio way deep here on the one-way street. And this cat's ready to show up and shoot up the place.
2: Mm.
1: It's a reason that you was never there whenever they showed up with their guns. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you always happen to slip off right at the right moment. Um, there's a reason that, you know, after all these years, here you are doing this mm. still. There's I don't know, you know, I, I I feel like, you know, there's certain experiences that add up over time that kind of show you a timeline of, yeah, you may not have felt this, but the whole time you've been moving towards this. Come on. You know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes it's just as easy as just, you know, you gotta stick with it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I'll leave with this right here. A mm-hmm. brother told me, you know, I can't say it the way he said it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But he was like, uh, you know, man. People get down on themselves and they beat themselves up all the time about, oh, I'm procrastinating, man. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing that. Huh. He said, what it's like, yo, you here. Right. But like, you still here. So to me, it don't sound like procrastination to me.
2: Come on.
1: So, you know, you probably shut the fuck up and, you know, be easier <laughs> on yourself.
2: Yes, like, please.
1: Because everything yes. else is just bullshit. Right. I can't say it the way he said it because he, he, he went into much more about that. Mm. But, The key to that thing is like you think you're procrastinating, Hmm. but the truth is every day that you wasn't doing it, you was thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Right. Unless you really are procrastinating. Right. You know, in that case, hey, you know, it's on you. But it's still not on you to beat yourself up about it, especially if you're making progress.
2: Absolutely.
1: And especially if you're still showing up. So what if it's been a year? You came back. Right. And now that you're here, you remember what it was like. You know what I'm saying? That you know it's what you love,
2: right?
1: So, I think that you know we 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 can't give up on one another, and no. we can't give up on ourselves.
2: Mm-mm.
1: And you know if we if 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 we do that, then we're totally lost.
2: Right.
1: Um, I think that the image that's you know projected of us as our culture,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm gonna leave that unnamed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gonna go into. Who I believe we are, what we are, what we should do, and all this stuff. I'm not here for that. Mm. But I will say that our collective look right now, yeah. it needs an overhaul from us. Come on, and we don't need nobody else to tell us who we are, what we need to believe in, or who we need to be against, or who we need to follow, or mm-hmm. you know any of this crap. You know, I think that we just right. need to. You know, find a way to find common ground within our respective communities, within our, let's say, within our respective villages, within our respective communities, within our respective families. A lot of us carry around a lot of trauma and resentment from our families that we never got to approach that cousin or that uncle or that aunt or grandparent or whatever, because, you know, in our families, we don't really talk about this stuff. But what I've come to find out is in everybody's families. They don't matter what race you are. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have jacked their relationships with their families. Yes, sir. And those are the people that we're stuck with as kids until we get away from them
2: mm-hmm.
1: at times. Or, you know, we just have beautiful relationships with them. But they tend to inform everything else that we go through. And then as a whole of a humanity, you know, we have generations of individuals that have done a lot of the same things over and over and over and over and over, and over again. It's almost like they reincarnated. <laughs> you know what I'm right, saying? right. Interestingly enough that reincarnation actually comes from that, honestly. Like you reincarnate through your through your DNA. So, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I think that it's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm pretty open minded to the different directions that things can take but I recognize bullshit when I see it. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? And that's good. Yeah. And that's good. And as you're speaking and you're creating these these pictures for us where we're we're journeying with you and we're walking with you through These specific items that you're outlining for us that we need to pull from as humanity, as a collective to do the work that we have to do. I know that that then, you know, also resonates within your, your art and how you create how you create music. So can you even just walk us through a process in, in terms of when you, when you sit down to start to create the music that you create, can you just give us a, a you know a glimpse into what that process looks like?
1: It kind of depends on the, the song. It depends on what mood I'm in because I'm a cancer mom. So I'm mm. moody. I'm a moody person. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I get pretty, I'm pretty sensitive So, like, I'm pretty sensitive to my environment and people's moods and people's emotions. And I I don't know. It's weird, man. I kind of, like, look at people and I kind of see stuff.
2: Mm.
1: And I can't really explain it. It's like, I don't know. I just look at some people and I just see stuff.
2: Mm.
1: And it's like, oh, okay. This is who you are. Okay. And then I'll, like, look for little stuff. And I don't try to do it, you know what I'm saying? But I just do. So, like... I'll kind of feel stuff that's going on in different places and I just feel it. And sometimes I come across the right instrumental that strikes a chord, you know, no pun intended. (laughs) And like it strikes a chord and I feel that chord. And, you know, um, it may start out with like a mumble or it might start out with like a certain phrase or it might start out with a certain word. It'll hit at a different time, but I'll kind of, the way I like to tell stories, like where I, I want people to kind of see where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. And when I started making music initially, I had friends, I was friends with a lot of like, like I said, I was an advanced student, but also I, uh, most of my friends were like special ed. Okay.
2: You know
1: what I'm saying? Um, just from the neighborhood. And those are my guys, like those are like my friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, my mother, she uh she 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 did work with um adults with dis with physical and mental disabilities okay. a a lot when I was a kid. And then I just I had other partners. Like I grew up in the hood, man. So like, you know, um it's this juxtaposition of like living in a house full of like my grandparents are very educated people mm-hmm. and you know, like, my granddad, he was a treasurer for NAACP chapter, and my grandmother, she was a nurse for years, and, you know, like, my stepdad's a lawyer, you know, and my dad was a really smart dude. Yeah. My mother's a pretty smart person, and a caretaker, mm-hmm. and, you know, very kind, extremely kind person. And, you know, I kind of picked up different things from all of them in different ways, um... So I don't know. Like when it came down to music in the beginning, I really wanted my music to be conversational. So like you know, I still have my songs from my first album. Like I ride around with them in my car.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean my first album I did was I was I was sixteen.
2: Come on.
1: Um, my first EP that I made I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. But my first album I recorded, I did it myself. Like just um, my partner he he produced it, but like I formatted all my beats on the machine and uh-huh. I recorded them into the into the program i learned how to record my vocals i laid my vocals i bounced uh-huh. the tracks i put them on cd i burned a bunch of cds went out and sold them
2: Come on. you know
1: like i've been like that since i was i don't know why i thought that was normal i just thought that's what folks was doing that's what you, <laughs> you want to make music that's what you're that's supposed what you to do, do. Uh-huh. you know so i put together 14 tracks and you know i've been doing doing it you know what Come i mean right. so i really fuck with pot okay. you know what i'm saying like um I grew my hair to stop getting the Tupac comparisons because, like, I kind of have a fucked up temper at times. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I get loud and rowdy at times, like, especially when I was, like, younger and I used to drink. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, like, listen to Tupac music and I would hear the way that I could tell he was trying to get through to his homeboys on a positive tip. Yeah. And as 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 time has going on, I've gotten more and more insight into who I feel like he may have been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but early on, man, I was trying to be Tupac. I ain't gonna lie. And like, but I wasn't trying to be Death Row Tupac. I was trying to be me against the world Tupac.
2: Okay.
1: You know what I'm saying? I was trying to be the guy who was trying to be positive, Mm. but still acknowledge that I'm right here with you.
2: Come on.
1: So like, um, in high school, man, I used to make songs for my partners that I felt like, you know, they had parents that was, you know, always talking shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, didn't think they was going to be nobody. Like, I had a joint called, I got you. Uh, I got you. I got you. I got you. I, I forget how it went, but like that was later on in high school. But, you know, I just kind of, you know, I tried to make music that made people feel good, that made me feel good and mm-hmm. stuff that I needed to hear, kind of motivational kind of things. Yeah. Um, as time went on, uh, music kind of got darker at times. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, really wanted to make stuff that was totally me and just different, right. you know. I always had this thing about trying to find stuff that wouldn't nobody want to rap on, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess there was the reason people didn't want to rap on the beats. They ain't sound that good, but <laughs> for me at the time, you know, you can definitely hear I was trying to find myself and find my voice and find who I am. Yeah. So for me, a lot of times the music it comes from. Okay, what do I really have to say? Okay, because I can like this beat, but that don't mean that it's for me. And if it takes me a long time to write a song and I don't have an idea for it. It's probably not for me, mm-hmm. but then sometimes, just like yesterday, I thought of a, I thought of a hook and a flow pattern for a beat that I've been listening to for at least four or five months,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I keep coming back to this beat because I like it. Mm-hmm. But I done, I didn't have anything to say on it, and I couldn't figure out how to format my verses because it's like, yo, this verse is gonna be twenty four bars if I do this. <laughs> and like this, this, like this is forever, bro. <laughs> I, I don't want to write this long verse like this, right? And for some reason, I listened to it again and I, you know, thought of a hook that sounded interesting. I found this flow pocket I can get into yeah. that's only eight. So it's like really easy song to write. There you go. And, you know, so it's like, oh, wow. OK. But I, I kind of wait for these moments to where, you know, it kind of leads me to where I need to be at mm-hmm. and where I can fall into this pocket that I'm going to enjoy because I got to like it. Yeah. And, you know. Hopefully then after that other people will like it too, but mm-hmm. it just depends on if I have something to say. Sometimes it'll be a verse that pops up or like four bars to pop up or 12 or something like that. Um, but I really like it when I don't have to use a pen or use a notepad or use the, use the phone. Like a lot of times if I can just get the song, I hear it and I automatically memorize it or I automatically memorize this melody. That's just kind of where it's at. You know, like I, I stop writing lyrics when i was i learned to write a verses without writing them down when i was like 17 or 18 okay and just because i heard jay-z did it and i heard lil wayne was doing it Mm -hmm. and we used to freestyle all the time so i try to memorize my freestyles and stuff like that Uh pick out the good parts you (laughs) can't always do that because you have a lot of stuff on your mind but you know it feels good when it's like kind of coming from the heart yeah you know and just from the, in physiology, it's certain songs that they, they just came from the heart. You can tell, mm. you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm a perfectionist at times. Well, a lot. So, but the music, it, it sometimes is it's kind of beyond me where it comes from. It's like, well, where, where did this come from? Bro? Mm. Like, um, the studio last week, man, I wrote this joint. Didn't really get a chance to go over it a whole bunch of times before I recorded it. So when I recorded it, I was like, bro, what made me write this? <laughs> and, you know, it's sometimes, you know, it just kind of happens. Something takes over. Uh, but other times it's very, very, very much calculated.
0: Yeah. And do you have anything for us to look forward to? Like, what are you currently working on that, that we need to be on the lookout for?
1: Right now, I've been working on um, a project called Above, Below. Um, Above slash below. And it's just kind of like, it's a project kind of about the in-between of things. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of being in the in-between. We have above and we have below. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, being above where I once was, being above, below. You know what I mean? Hitting rock bottom and then being above that. But then, you know, I just think that there's so much like as above, so below. There's so many different things. It's like, I wrote it like above divided by below.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I
1: like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and I feel like a lot of Renaissance paintings and things like that kind of dealt with that. Uh, even that painting that we took a look at earlier, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? What you have everybody's looking above, but what's going on below?
2: below. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, and I don't know. I I I think a lot of stuff kind of plays into that. And this is probably probably be like the most experimental project that I've made, just playing with different sounds and. Mm-hmm. You know, I've put out a lot of music over the past couple of years, you know, Messiah Complex, 22 Grams, mm-hmm. The Third Idea, mm-hmm. High Tech, Low Life. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of following this series of that's kind of dealing with almost in the metaphysical realm in rap. Yeah. You know, where the third idea is, you know, the third eye, but then, you know, going directly into that and putting you directly in the shoes of being in Arkansas or Brilliant
0: Project by the way.
1: Putting you into a dream sequence, mm-hmm. which actually real dreams for real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I actually had a dream that I woke up after being mummified inside of an Egyptian tomb and I looked up and it was these twins carrying this tablet made of gold with red and blue on it. And I got up and I pushed the door and it slid back automatically and there were fluorescent lights inside of this place. And I had to you know it was lights and stuff like that. It was high tech. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was definitely, you know, in a different life. Yeah. And, you know, that was a dream that kind of hit me heavy. Hmm. So, like, I wrote a song around it, you know what I mean? To high-tech low-life where, you know, high-tech low-life is actually a phrase from the cyberpunk genre of anime. Okay. So, um, you know, like Ghost in a Shell, like uh, those type of animes where, it's this high, super high tech future, but people's lives are absolutely shit. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the world is dystopian and it's absolutely shit. Mm-hmm. And there's poor people everywhere. And there's rich people living up in these huge towers and they never go down on the ground. They always have to, they have to move around a certain type of way. And you have these different types of demons and chimeras all over the place because there's this really dark energy out there that's trying to take over everything.
2: Yeah,
1: You know, that's the high tech low life. And, you know, I mean, the, I, I I feel like probably the further along we get right now, we'll probably really start to experience the high-tech, low-life function of things. Like, you know, who's to say that you don't get <laughs> – who's to say that you don't end up getting phones that, you know, okay, I, we have an augmented reality now and, you know, I can put on this headset and I can holographically be there with you. And that's the way we visit one another now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, you know, you can plug into this thing and we can go meet up and act like we just spent the whole day together, but we're not physically touching there, one another. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, those things are in the works and those things already exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, those are the kind of things that are kind of hard to write about in music. But those are things that directly affect us and they're going to start directly affecting our lives Absolutely. moving forward. You know, even if people don't see that,
2: Absolutely.
1: you know, and people are rushed to be the first ones to say they got it you know what i mean but you know all toys ain't good toys no you
0: know? sir so what would you say to somebody who is is in a space like you're in but they don't have the confidence to speak the way that you speak they don't have the confidence to in in their ability to be able to articulate in the way that you articulate through your music through a space like this where you're able to to, to lay things out in a way that actually At least for me, um, I'm able to not only hear you, but it's like it's a knowing. It's like I understand what you're trying to say. Um, What would you say to somebody like that? You know, a a young cat who is, you know, wanting to get in the music game, maybe wants to be a writer, maybe wants to, you know, do a podcast, whatever the case might be, um, but they don't know how to be confident enough to stand in those convictions. What would you say to that person?
1: Um, Just pick your spots. Just pick your spots and know who you're talking to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can't get mad at somebody that eats McDonald's every day or, you know, somebody that somebody that's eating a bunch of fast food, somebody that drinks a lot of soda, somebody that doesn't exercise as much as they should, somebody that's not open minded. Mm -hmm. You can't get mad at them for not being open minded to that type of information. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to put down anybody that if you have to eat McDonald's cause that's all you got to eat, then, you know, that's different. Mm-hmm. Then you're making the choice that you want to eat this fast food that, you know, is not good for us mm-hmm. and it's not fit for animals to eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, our change, like we said, you know, it has to be from the inside out. It's an inside job and it has yeah. to happen on a cellular level and yeah. you have to heal yourself. You know what I mean? You have to give your body a chance to heal itself, your brain a chance to heal itself. Mm -hmm. And if you're filling your cells with junk, then, you know, that's going to become a part of your DNA every Mm -hmm. seven years. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a new body. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And every seven years you can get a better body Mm -hmm. up until a certain point. And I mean, at this point, we can't say that, oh, you know, you get old and then it's going to turn into this. Look, man, it's 70 year old people out here looking like they 40. Right. Men and women. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like of every race. You know what I'm saying? I've seen some buff white dudes, man. Mm-hmm. They definitely in their 60s, 70s. You know what I mean? But, you know, at some point, they made the choice for themselves. This is what I'm about to do next. Because yeah. it's not too late. And mm-hmm. you might be 35 when it clicks for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might be 35 by the time it clicks for you. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this is what I need to get my finances in order. And you'll be a millionaire in 10 years. <laughs> you know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you that happens to a lot of people the average millionaire is in their fifties. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, fifties is not the end of your life. And definitely if you took care of yourself by the time you're 50, bro, it's so much stuff that you cared about in your twenties that 30 years later, you don't care, fam. You you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in your forties, you know, you, that's when you really, in most spiritual traditions, you can't be a leader until you're 40. You know what I mean? Like you can't run anything until you're 40 because a lot of that, headlong ball juice is, you know, kind of, you know, evened out. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Right. You, you kind of have more control over what you're trying to do with the testosterone. You know what <laughs> right, I'm saying? Right. And, it, you know, kind of levels out a little bit. Now, you know, the choices that you choose to make after that, you know, they're different. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot of room to be someone great just yeah. from above the shoulders as well as from your heart. You know, we have two brains. Um, I've, I, I I found out, you know, they talk about the heart as a brain, but it's not the heart. It's the solar plexus.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And it sits behind the heart.
2: Interesting. And it
1: acts as a second brain because it sits on the spine and it controls the nervous system.
2: Huh.
1: Yeah. It sits on your spine behind your heart.
2: Interesting.
1: The solar plexus. So, you know, that's the second brain. It controls your central nervous system. It controls your cardiovascular. It controls your respiratory. It controls, uh, man, everything. So it's like, you know, when you're doing this training and you're getting this 10,000 hours in and it becomes a second nature kind of thing. Like if you're a a painter, you know, that paintbrush becomes a part of your hand. Mm -hmm. Like Michael Jordan, that ball was a part of him. Mm -hmm. He knew what to do with that ball. LeBron, Kobe, they knew what to do with the ball. It became a part of them. Mm You know, a, a cat like K-Dot or a cat like, uh, man, Miles Davis or a cat like Michael Jackson. The beat was a part of him. The lyrics are a part of him. That trumpet is a part of him. The Lonnie is, his keys were a part of him. Yeah. And whatever it is that you focus on, it becomes a part of you. Like, uh, I like to use like cartoons and stuff that we grew up off of because we don't recognize like it was hidden gems in that joint. Like Power Rangers, Tommy he went from being the dragon to the tiger,
2: hmm.
1: crouching tiger hidden dragon, yin and yang huh. he went from being evil to being good and then he had to, he always had this battle of being the strongest one
2: huh.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah and ninja Turtles a lot of people don't remember this, mm-hmm. but you know crank the villain crank, you know he was a he was just a brain that was inside the belly of an android. Mm-hmm. he sat in the solar plexus though. And mm-hmm. really, he sat in the gut. You know, you get a gut feeling. That's mm-hmm. your solar plexus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's your solar plexus uh-huh. reacted. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, mm-hmm. man, I just felt this in my heart. That's your solar plexus. That's
2: interesting.
1: You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's a second brain that's in your stomach. That's in this. Is is connected to your spine and it's controlling
2: everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Crane, he controlled this being from inside his belly. If you study ninjutsu the way you're supposed to study ninjutsu, You act without thinking. You know without knowing. You react without reacting. You just move. The reflex is the right move. You trust that it's the right move. That's Batman. The first Batman movie was all about that. Right, right, right. And it's reacting from that space. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you have to be in tune with yourself. And it takes a lot of time, discipline, and it's not comfortable. But I'm pretty sure you're happy with who you become. And I'm not there, but... You know the fact that this just came out of my mouth. I'm definitely working towards that at some point, and that's hopefully, good. I can get there. And yeah. before is is something that I can't do anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. No. That's that's all really good. And 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 I think that for me, one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation is simply that it all comes down to self, and it's an inside job. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's important for all of us to know that any type of transformation, any type of change. When we talk about love, we talk about our purposes, you know, even our bloodlines, all these, all these different things um, that we've touched on today. When it comes to any type of transformation and healing and restoration, it's all an inside job. And I think that that's what we're going to leave you guys on today. So just, just, just ponder that. Just, just ponder, ponder that notion and, and, and really figure out which aspects of your internal well-being need healing? Which aspects of your internal well-being need to be even just opened up to more? Because there's so much more. When Rashid and I were having a conversation prior to recording, one of the things that he said to me was that even when he comes to a specific conclusion, um, he always has to take a step back and wonder, is there more? Because oftentimes there's so much more. So y'all think about that. Rashid. I'm not sure if you have any last last words to say to the good people, um, but I appreciate having you. I appreciate your time, your wisdom, your knowledge, your insight. And also you just, like I said, you speak with so much conviction. So all of these things, I- I'm pulling nuggets from what you were saying for myself as well and from my own journey. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate having a conversation like this because, you know, it's rare these days and mm-hmm. maybe it always has been, but, um, this is something that should definitely become cool. Yeah. You know, definitely. Absolutely. So thank you for having me and I'll be, you know, excited to come back again sometime.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, but you guys, like I always say, I appreciate you. I love you. And I will definitely have some more special guests for you guys. Uh, but in the meantime, between time, y'all stay tuned in and stay well, take care of yourselves. You guys know that you're absolutely dynamic. So stay pushing, stay living, stay loving, and always, always, always find something to dance about. All right, y'all. 2020 Insight, Episode 4. This is Sen. We're out.